Welcome to PCTY Talks, a new podcast from the human capital management software provider, Paylocity. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson, and as an HR program manager at Paylocity, I will be navigating our journey together as we explore bite-sized topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, diversity and inclusion, and product knowledge. If you have an idea for a future podcast topic, please drop me a note at pctytalks at paylocity.com. Today's bonus episode was recorded on July 30th during a LinkedIn live broadcast. Enjoy. Thanks for joining us today for our discussion on the exponential impact of caring in business with Paylocity CEO Steve Beauchamp and CHRO Cheryl Johnson. Okay, let's dive in. Caring is such a strong word, a word that brings a lot of emotions. The word caring itself has a lot of preconceived notions, and it means something really important to us here at Paylocity. So I'm going to post the question to you, Steve, first. What exactly do you define as a culture of caring, and what does it look like? Thank you, Sherry. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for joining us. I think the culture of caring has always been a really important part of Paylocity's history. Um, We've always had this philosophy that if we hire great people and we create an environment where they can be successful, they can thrive, they're happy, they're engaging, then ultimately we're going to see that translate into a much better customer experience. We're going to allow us to deliver better products and and really connect the employees uh, in terms of what we're trying to do as an organization and get all that passion and energy about them. And so that is something that we have always very much focused on. And so when we have internal conversations, it usually starts by what is the impact of this initiative first on our employees? And then how do we make the most out of all of these resources that we spend so much time and energy on? And it starts with really understanding and caring for them first and foremost. So it's interesting because I remember first coming to Paylocity and as an HR person, my experience has been when a program is coming up that we bring the program and the budget. And so here's how I'm going to design the program based on the budget that you're giving me. And I remember my first meeting with you like that. And I said, okay, so based on hitting this budget, this is the program we can design. And you immediately were like, okay, I don't want to talk about the budget right now. I want to talk about the program and why you think it's important and why you think it will have a positive impact on the employee. And I, like as an HR person, I had to unwind everything I ever yeah. um, was was kind of restricted by and actually be able to truly put the employee at the center of all discussions. So... Yeah, it's a very much a similar concept to starting with the customer first. Mm-hmm. But I think if you start with the employee first, it automatically extends to the customer. So I remember that conversation. Mm-hmm. And much of it was, what are we trying to accomplish? So what are the problems that our employees might be facing? How do we make it a better environment for them? And let's talk about the options and ways for us to do that versus restricting ourselves to a certain budget or a certain environment. And I think when you do that and then you start getting feedback from various people across the organization, it becomes a more productive conversation but it also becomes a more innovative conversation where you start to build ideas from the bottom up instead of just from the top down, whereas I think a lot of organizations get very restricted. Here's what we've done in the past. How do we make that a little better? Or here's the budget that we have to start off with. How do we make that better mm-hmm. versus let's talk about what that employee experience like. Let's talk about what the feedback is from the employees. And then how do we start to make that better? And then you layer in the programs and the budget later when you're really focusing on trying to solve that problem. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about, there's been a lot of examples of how we've shown 
a culture of caring. From your perspective, what are some of the, the things that are observable that someone could look at and say, oh, that's an example of how a culture of caring shows up? Yeah, so I think as we've grown, we've had to explore different ways to make sure that we continue to have this culture of caring. So with you know, more than 3,600 employees, it does get harder as we get larger to do that. But I, I think making sure that there is a ton of opportunity for employee feedback and making sure that all of our leaders really understand what it's like to be an account manager or what it's like to be you know, programming our software or what it's like to be implementing a new customer and making sure that we have both formal feedback mechanism where you're gathering it in masses, but also an opportunity to have these individual conversations. So you kind of know, or I know as the CEO, what it's like to day in the life for one of our account managers who's dealing with our customers. And then as you get larger, you have to be a little bit more formal around mm. those programs so that you can gather this information on an ongoing basis. And then you've got to be tough on yourself with that feedback. So you've really got to challenge the feedback. So if you're getting um, information from employees where there's dissatisfaction or we can improve as a company, you've got to go back and say, here's what we're going to do about that, that feedback. And I think we've become more programmatic in how we've had to approach that over time. But even when we were really small, um, you know, it used to be by walking around. I can remember when we only had 100 mm. employees, I'd walk around and say hi to everybody in the morning. Hard for us to do that in multiple locations, being a national company today. But you take that same concept and you try to live it with more formalized programs. So right now, more than ever, with a pandemic and social unrest, not only as our society, but specifically our employees, um, are, are dealing with a lot. And our approach to having a culture of caring has been really instrumental in the decisions we've made and how we've handled things. Um, maybe you can share a little yeah. bit of insight on that. This has been a real learning experience, I think, for everybody, and it's been a learning experience for us. So communication and transparency is really critical anytime you're going through a crisis, particularly when you've got a crisis of, of epic proportion like the pandemic that we're facing and the social unrest conversations that are, that are very challenging. And so one of the things that we used to do is we used to meet with all of our employees on a quarterly basis. Um, we'd gather topics. We'd do formal presentations. We put a lot of work and effort in terms of the things we were trying to communicate to employees to keep everybody informed. Well, as we kind of hit the pandemic, everything was happening fast and furious, and we had to change our whole communication paradigm. Mm -hmm. And so one of the, an example of that is instead of actually meeting with all of our employees every quarter, we actually went every single week. So every Friday, myself and kind of the key executives would get in front of a Zoom call. Um, we would typically get maybe a third of our employees on every single Friday call, not always the same group, um, and we would allow people to submit questions ahead of time or actually chat in questions live. So we didn't have as much time to be able to prepare. But the feedback we got from our employees was this was really authentic, real-time communication in the moment. And in some cases, we got great ideas from some of the questions. And then we would actually record those sessions. And then we would get another big swath of our employees who would watch those recorded sessions. So we went from this very formalized quarterly process that mm -hmm. we were preparing for to this real-time, authentic Q&A, and we would have six of us answering questions live on the call, and you would just be coordinating as they're coming in. And actually, the feedback we got from the employees is they actually enjoyed those sessions way more than the sessions that we had highly prepared for, that we had rehearsed for, and that we had you know, decks of information that we were sharing with them. And so this idea of challenging yourself in the new environment and finding ways to connect. 
I think a second example is we do a lot of video communication. And so we're on a LinkedIn live session right now, but we do a lot of recorded videos. And Mm so uh, the other thing that I would do early on is I recorded a video every week of what we were seeing in terms of the impact to our customers, the impact to our employees. And, you know, being in the HR business, we would see, you know, uh, how many people are still being paid and what was happening with our clients, with workforce. And so we would actually record videos and share that broadly so people could digest that information while they're working from home and and all, mm. having gone all remote, you know, when they had the time to do that. And so we really had to change the way we, we communicated as we entered the pandemic. You know, I think one of the keys for transparency and how it connects also to the culture of caring is a lot of times the unknown and the uncertainty can create more anxiety. And so I think that was one of the things we recognized early on is that one of the ways we can show our employees we care is to remove as much uncertainty as possible. And that we did that through transparency. Yeah. And many times we had no answers. And we said, we know this is a question for you and next week we'll give you more information. Um, so what stood out to you with that in yeah. your learning? I mean, crisis communication is definitely more challenging. So higher frequency, shorter uh, time periods, more real, more authentic, and more transparency, I think are definitely key mm-hmm. elements of that. Um, and one of the things we would get a lot of questions of, what's going to be the impact of Paylocity? Are you going to have to lay off people? Are you going to have to reduce some of the plans that you've got? Where are you going to be able to save some dollars and spend? Um, and we tried to be as transparent as possible for people, and sometimes the answer was, we don't know yet, but over the next two weeks, we're going to figure out an answer to that question, and we're actually going to come back to you on that Friday session two weeks from now, and we're going to give you more information. And I think giving people certainty of even the time frame for them to be able to expect that is really important. And then the other thing is, it's really important to reinforce the same message multiple times. Mm -hmm. So we had done a lot of planning analysis going into the pandemic, and we, we determined that we would not need to lay anybody off. And we felt it was important to declare to our employees that we, we didn't feel like we were going to have to lay people off. We were going to have to make other types of sacrifices. Um, but we didn't lay anybody off. And we must have answered that question probably every single Friday session somebody would ask, even though we had said that numerous times. And, and so you got to realize in an environment where there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, sometimes caring for your employees is really understanding that you've got to be able to reinforce the message. You've got to be able to be patient because people are at times panicked and there's a lot going on in their personal lives. And so um, that was another kind of lesson learned over the last several months. Yeah, I think even too, you know, when you've got companies around you that are experiencing different things, even though we tell people, hey, this is the decisions we're making, they're still like, are you sure? Like, double check. So Yeah, and it's a tough job for our, our employees who are dealing with our customers. So many of them were furloughing most of their employees. Some of them were shutting down on a, on a temporary basis. Some of them were closing down eventually as you got later into the month. So our employees were hearing some, some very challenging stories with our customers, and our customers were, were obviously looking for a lot of help from us. And so I think it's even more important for us in that type of environment that we show our people that we really care. So. Caring is empathy, right? Like empathy is a big part of how you show care for people. And to your point on transparency and feedback, you know, these executive Q&A sessions that we did and and then posting things even in our our community platform so that we can hear directly from employees, there was a lot of transparency shared by our employees and a lot of feedback from our employees. And having that gave us, I think personally, more empathy for what our employees were actually facing. Um, What are some of the things that you learned through that? 
Yeah, so I think gathering feedbacks in multiple ways on a high frequency basis was really important for us. So think about surveying the employees on, on various topics. Um, surveying them to gather ideas on how maybe we could be more flexible so that they can be more effective working from home. Um, you know, sometimes you learn really small things. And so early on, we found that a lot of people set up at home wasn't always great. So there used to be in an environment with sit-stand desks and dual monitors. And so we were able to get a lot of our folks a second monitor to make them more effective. Um, and so that's like one example by gathering feedback. Sometimes you get bigger examples, which is the mental stress of all this yeah. is, is really, really difficult. And we were able to partner and roll out an application um, that they were able to use that helps manage some of the stress of being in a, in a crisis environment. And so I think, you know, not only having those sessions, but formally reaching out with survey topics and then focus groups was something we still do a lot of those focus groups mm -hmm. today so that we can really stay in touch with what are the biggest challenges for different groups of employees that might be very different for someone in sales versus someone on our software team or somebody in implementation. And so it's not only you and I doing the focus groups, but it's our entire leadership team really trying to stay connected. Uh, and when you do that and then you actually make changes based off that feedback, that shows your employees that you really truly do care. And mm -hmm. they're not just words, but there's actions behind them. One of the ahas for me through the feedback that we were getting through the executive Q&As was around um, our employees' perception of taking time off. And yes. that was a real eye-opener where many people felt um, that, that they couldn't or shouldn't take time off. And we learned a lot through that and started reinforcing the messaging around not only can you take time off, we want you to take time off. And recently, we actually started sending emails to employees who are hitting their kind of max allocation and saying, we see that you are approaching the max allocation and yeah. we really want you to take time off. Yeah, especially during these times where it's pretty stressful. And we'd get the feedback from people, which is understandable. I can't travel. I can't do the normal things that I'm doing on vacation. Um, but we really tried to emphasize that it's important to take some time away. Um, when you're repeating the same thing all the time, it's in an environment where it's new. Uh, we have a lot of employees who've got their kids at home with them and trying to manage that situation. And so emphasizing that not only do we care about their, their mental well-being, but we actually are taking actions that we think are important for them to stay kind of balanced. And um, that's a great example was yeah. encouraging people to take time off, um, I think, is another example. So shifting gears to values. So... We've, we've had values core to who we are for since we started. Um, and we, over time, have put more structure and words around it so everybody kind of had a better way to understand it. Um, most companies talk about having values, but it's during times like this where your values, like you really get to demonstrate your commitment to these values. So what are some examples of how you believe the, the values guided our decision making? Yeah, so I think, you know, I, I wouldn't want to take so much credit for our response realistically, you know, myself. It's really been the company as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's living these values that, and having these values in place and talking about them ahead of time. So we would get a lot of questions and people would actually, you know, hashtag the value. So one of our values is be unbeatable together and, and examples of working together. And then what we would see is in our software and in our platform, people started sharing examples of where people were going above and beyond, people were caring for each other, 
culture, um, and they were connecting actions that were happening every day back to our values. Living the reputation being another really good example. So as we got into some of the social justice conversations, us walking the walk, taking a leadership position mm -hmm. there, people would say, okay, that I can see you now living the reputation. And then when we do that as a leadership team, we start to see all of our people take other actions, some big, some small, but they start tagging it back to the values. And the more positive behaviors that you see, I think the more contagious that can be across the organization. And then you get more caring across the mm. organization because people feel like not only does the organization care about me, my manager, my leader cares about me, but the rest of the people that I work with also care about me. And therefore, by extension, we then end up caring a lot more for our customers. Okay, so I don't think you give yourself enough credit in in the at least the response to the pandemic. So I um, have several HR colleagues that we've shared ideas and, and practices and how we're handling things. And um, I got the question from several HR people who noticed how quickly we were responding and how fast we were making decisions. And they're like, "Gosh, how did you guys do that?" I was like, "It was." I remember where I was when you were like, "I am clearing everything off of my schedule. We have to get this figured out." And that was well before there was any instruction for companies to go remote and change yeah. things. So you you saw it well before, and you prioritized it. Well, you know, I think in times of crisis, what we tend to want to do is to sit back and watch what others do first, and not be the first to make a move, not more, and be a little bit afraid of making the wrong move. And I actually think you're better to make moves quickly. Like the speed of your response means a lot to people. Mm -hmm. And so even if your response isn't perfect, or if you're gonna have, even if that first response is a little bit of a mistake, if you then learn from that, get feedback really quickly, and then, react to that feedback, I think you get a lot of goodwill from your employees, your customers, or any stakeholders in your business. And I think that's particularly important. And so part of my thought process there was, we need to be one of the first people to go remote and to put the protection of our employees up front. Now, we're in a position where we can do that and still get the job done, so that's obviously an advantage. But we also need to be the first people to start talking about some of these challenging issues, whether it's social justice and what was happening, um, and getting an email out to every single employee when they came in Monday morning to understand our position and, and my feelings about what was happening, and not waiting till the end of that week mm -hmm. and seeing what everyone else was doing. Those are all examples of, I think you get rewarded in moments of crisis by speed of your action, being authentic, not overthinking about it, and feeling comfortable that if you make a mistake, admit that that was a mistake and, and yeah. take a different action. Okay, so I think the reason I was kind of leading up to all these examples of how you actually demonstrate care versus just say, we care about our employees, is because the employees feel your authentic care. They feel that you are cared for, they are cared for, they are appreciated and they're important. And we believe that has an impact on the business. And we talk about the impact it has on the business. So there, I know there are many examples where we've seen that by showing care for our employees, that passes through to um, the customers and, and stakeholders outside. So, Yeah, you know, part of this, and this existed even prior to me being here, which will be about 13 years now, mm -hmm. is this simple concept that the happier your employees are, the happier your, your customers are. And it sounds really, really simple, but it gets pretty complicated to actually mm -hmm. kind of execute. And I think that connection is really important. I look at it pretty simply. It's our employees that are out there selling our products and representing Paylocity. It's our employees that are implementing new customers. It's our employees that are answering the questions that come in from our customers. It's our employees that are building our software and our solutions. And so if we can create a great environment for them 
and we can grow talent from within and promote from within and continue to be able to grow, then that is a much better formula for success than us trying to have maybe an autocratic environment where we're driving programs mm -hmm. really hard. And Because at the end of the day, if people are passionate about us as a company, they're going to put more natural effort in. Um, they're going to go above and beyond with each other and with our customers on a more frequent basis. And if it's simply about KPIs or a number that you're trying to drive towards and it doesn't feel personal and you're not connected, you just don't get the same level of effort. I'll give you a, a real example. Somebody asked me, we've been 50% we've been of our employees remote for many, many years. We're almost 50% before the pandemic and now obviously we're almost all remote. Um, and people used to say to me, isn't it harder to know if somebody's not a fit? So if you hire somebody and they're on board and they're working in their home office, is it hard to know whether they're not doing a great job? And I think one of the things I would always say to people is you need to trust your employees first. Mm -hmm. You start with you trust them. Mm -hmm. And actually, you, our job is to earn their trust over time. Mm -hmm. And if you start that way, you're going to get so much energy and passion and better results from those employees versus starting with they, the employee has to earn my trust. And I think we've kind of had that type of mentality. Now at times you'll get some people that aren't a fit and, and maybe it takes you a little bit longer to figure that out, but you actually gain so much more with people's levels of engagements in terms of your business results mm -hmm. that I think really caring about them and showing that to them um, does absolutely translate into better business results. So one of my proudest Paylocity moments, and I have a feeling it's could be one of yours, I won't speak for you, um, was how our team responded with the FFCRA and the CARES Act and the fact that we had a webinar, we had a micro kit, we had communication, we had product updates, and we had the folks that were going to be talking, our account managers who were going to be talking to clients, all prepared the Monday after it was released. We never asked anybody to work a weekend. Yeah. We didn't ask anybody to work the hours they did to get this all organized. I think that's a great example. So I can remember getting the calendar notice on Saturday morning for a call on Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't something that I had asked for, um, or nor did I know that that was happening? And we had probably 25 people on that call on Sunday afternoon. And, and that was the team coming back to us and saying, here's all the things that we've done with the legislation that had essentially passed Friday and was going to be signed on Monday. And we had lined up you know, education for our customers. We had articles ready in our knowledge management system so we could answer their questions. We were lining up um, you know, webinars and podcasts to be able to educate people. And I was blown away. Mm -hmm. um, I knew we were doing some work around this. I didn't know the extent that the team had really gelled. And they realized that this was so important for our employees so that they could be in a position to answer questions. And it was really important for our customers. And it's a great example when you have passion and energy around the company that you actually will produce better results. And that I, I was very proud of that as well. Right. I mean, that's like really the perfect example of when you care for your employees, that care will extend to the customers because they want to reciprocate the care that they've been shown. So, And they want to be there for each other. So part of the, the mm -hmm. driving force was I know that my account management team are going to get calls from customers and we need to make sure that we give them the answers because I don't want to let my peers down. And, right. and when you have that idea of not letting each other down, yeah. you automatically produce better results for your customers. Right. Okay. So I think we actually have some questions coming through. We had a couple pre-submitted, but I'm going to check in with Sherry to see if there's any questions in particular you want to tee over to We Steve do. Or. I have a couple for you. So we'll start with this one. How do you ensure that the culture of caring is embraced by all levels of the organization? How does that get reinforced in the day-to-day -day grind? Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, as we've grown, 
trying to maintain this very, uh, maybe almost small company kind of feel, this culture of caring, this idea that you, that you have an understanding of what it's like to do somebody else's job has been a really important part of what we do. So the larger you get, the harder that is. Um, so what I would say is you need a whole bunch of different things that you have to do to be able to do that. So one is, I mentioned this earlier, but feedback from a variety of sources. So we use a lot of our survey product to connect um, with new hires versus people that might leave us versus people in different groups and departments. We pick particular topics where we want to dive in and we get a lot of information from that. We do a lot of focus groups for a whole variety of reasons. I try to participate in a number of those focus groups and I actually want my leaders and their leaders to do that as well. And so that's another um, great source of information. And then we love to put cross-functional teams together. So we actually get people working from across different organizations, and then we get exposure to those teams. And so part of the way I think about it is the more people I get to talk to and connect with, and maybe sometimes even in a less formalized setting where they can just be open and honest and transparent about their feedback, the better appreciation I get. And then I want all of my leaders to do the same thing. And so whether they're a director in the company with 300 employees or they're a manager with 10 employees, if we can kind of use that same philosophy across the organization, then employees start to feel that care, not just from the top down, but all the way throughout the organization. And I think to add to that, it really does go to leadership modeling the way. So leaders have to actually demonstrate the behaviors that they want to see spread throughout the organization. And I also think helping each other. So don't just expect a leader to know how to do all the right things and say all the right things. And so I think recognizing your team makeup and making sure that you help other people on the team who may not be predisposed um, to show emotion and feeling. Like we talk about the, the personality profiles of thinkers yeah. and feelers. If you know if you have thinkers, you might need to pair them up with a feeler who can actually say, hey, right now would be a good time to send a message out to your team. Um, and so don't just expect that they're going to know what to do. S support them and give them ideas on how to model that I behavior. I think the one, one last ad I would say is being vulnerable across the organization is really, really important. And so it's that concept I said earlier, admitting when you've made a mistake or, you know, when mm -hmm. someone asks you a really tough question, if you don't know the answer, you know, say you don't know the answer and that you're going to have to go find the answer to that question. Um, or say, hey, actually, as you mentioned that, maybe that's something we, would, we should approach differently and we're going to make that change. Mm -hmm. um, and then making sure that the leaders are comfortable with that so that every presentation isn't always, you know, the best version of ourselves. <laughs> we're really kind of honest and transparent about what's happening. And the more that happens throughout the organization, I think the better it is for the culture. Yeah, some of my favorite is the focus groups we've been doing and employees are making suggestions and both of us are like, that's a great idea. Yep, we'll do, we'll do, Let's that. do that. Let's do it. Okay, next question. Um, being that we are an HR tech company, um, and, and oftentimes we'll talk about being HR for HR, um, one of the questions that came in is, why are people like Josh Burson considering this the year of HR? <laughs> You know, there's been so many trends happening in, in the HR, in the workforce, really, in the broader workforce. And so if you think of the work flexibility, the remote work, um, so many smaller offices, even for those that were in offices in smaller locations. And then you think of, you know, the generational shift that's happening. So millennials are getting more and more into decision-making jobs. Gen Z workforce um, is, is going to make up a pretty significant part of the workforce over the next five years, and they're entering the workforce right now. This need for transparency 
this idea that you know I can interact with anybody across the organization um, because there's a lot of options in the job market and people have mobility like they've never had before. When you think of uh, you know you know this concept of being able to move from one job to the next or have several jobs at the same time, and so I think when you you think of somebody like Josh Burson, when you have moments of crisis, these trends that were happening before they accelerate. And we have seen changes over the last four months that probably would take years for that to happen. And I think in moments like that, that makes it a great opportunity for HR to have an impact. Well, and I think um, I read that article. It was a really good article. And I think the comparison also to 2008, 2009 during the financial crisis really became the year of the CFO. The decisions that companies were being faced with were very financially driven and ones where it required the CFO to be in a more prominent position than historically had been in. And for now, HR, the decisions that many companies are facing is what to do with sick time, what to do with policies, how to get people working remotely, how do you deal with social unrest, mental health, like all these yeah. Issues are very human and people issues, and so the the presence of a really outstanding HR professional is felt, and the presence of a not um, outstanding HR professional is also felt. Yeah, um, what's been the most beneficial adjustment you've made to ensure your employees remain engaged while working remotely right now? Yeah, so I think we've made a, a lot of small changes, and I would say. Um, more frequent discussions and scheduled meetings, whether they're presentations or touch bases. So I'll look at it. So my team of, of six, we used to meet kind of once a week in a typical kind mm -hmm. of staff meeting setting. And now we meet three times a week. Sometimes it's only half an hour. Sometimes it's an hour. And think about that if you are leading a team that they don't feel always as connected. And as a leader, you got to find a way to be able to connect those. And that's why we do so many more presentations to our employees. We do more surveys. We do more focus groups. Um, we're constantly um, leveraging recorded video and sending video across the organization so it feels so much more personalized. Because I think all of you who probably have experience working at home now, it can get lonely. It can be the same environment all the time. You don't have those collision conversations mm -hmm. you get in the office. And so I think using all of those tools uh, available um, you know, in a modern kind of environment is really important. Yeah, that's exactly what I would have said. Okay, this will be our final question before we close out here. How does caring appear in your recruiting to ensure as you grow, you keep the idea of caring alive in our culture? I'll start, and then I'm, I'm sure you'll have some good ads um, to this. I, you know, I think it starts with understanding your uh, values and what your value proposition is to all employees, right? And sometimes that's about getting feedback from your employees. So, for example, when we went through an exercise to refresh our values, we um, did focus groups, we did surveys, we got feedback from over 500 employees about what it's like to work at Paylocity today. And so what values do we have that people really appreciate and they really enjoy? And where are some places that we have some gaps that we can really improve? And so I think when you go into to recruiting, you wanna make sure that you're selling the best part of your organization, for sure, mm -hmm. but you also wanna make sure that that's real. Because when you bring somebody on board, you want them to experience that so that you can ultimately retain them. So aligning the existing values to the recruiting process and making mm -hmm. sure that you're honest about what the strengths are of the organization and even sometimes maybe our biggest challenges I think is an important part. Yeah, I was actually that was exactly what I was going to talk about is connecting the values and making sure that you it really shows care that you don't 
put someone in a position where you don't think they'd be successful. And having a culture of caring, we need people who actually want to be in a culture like that as well, and a culture of teamwork. And yeah. so if you if you identify candidates through the process who don't seem to align with having collaborative approaches and team-based approaches, they probably wouldn't be successful here. So making sure that, that you're really close to that. I would say we probably have a lot of opportunity for improvement here too, and making sure that the candidate experience shows an experience of care yeah. and that we care about the experience a candidate goes through. And um, I would say that that's probably an opportunity where we could probably dig into that a little bit more and, and make sure that that's reflected through and through. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I do think making sure that you've got questions around the culture. So yeah. in that candidate process, it's actually important for the candidate too, because yep. you're going to ask them questions about the type of culture that they've thrived in, because mm -hmm. you obviously want them to thrive here. And then you're going to be able to describe what the culture is like in a transparent, honest format. And I think a lot of organizations pick very standard skill-based questions mm -hmm. and don't spend much time describing what's happening at the organization and asking them where's, what was the culture and the environment like where they've had the most success? Right. And then really trying to mirror those two things together. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Steve and Cheryl. And thank you for our live audience for joining us today. If you have additional questions, leave those in the comments. Be sure to subscribe to the PCTY Talks podcast for more thought leadership and stay tuned for future live chats.